Brown says, get that India, big boy. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet, an instant reaction version or iteration of our podcast, unfortunately coming on the back of a consecutive loss as the Eels went eastbound and down up in Mackay against the Sydney Roosters, uh, 28-0 the scoreline there in favour of the Tricolors. Joining me as always to facilitate the breakdown of this loss is my good mate 60s. Not a fun one to dive into mate, but you know we're going to do the job that needs to be done and uh, talk about uh, the frustrations and the struggles that we had tonight against the Roosters, um, and, you know, see what we can uh, dissect out of a loss. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't help but feel this is going to be ugly. It's these sorts of instant reaction podcasts are far more enjoyable after a win than after what we we're watching tonight and, so and we, and we're we, going to be we're going to be look we are going to be balanced um but we we're also not going to shirk any of the much deserved criticism that will that should be leveled at Parramatta's performance and, tonight you know we're going to be on the level we know there is going to be a shitstorm across social media and on the internet including TCT's own comment section uh, throughout the week and to make this clear to anyone's listening um I did lay down the law on Team West Tuesday um, people are welcome to come in for critical discussion on the Cumberland Throw, but if you're going to come in with ad hominems and you're going to come in with the personal attacks, uh, there will be no second chances. I'm talking instant bans there. So we do enjoy a, a really robust and uh, diverse comment section on our website, and we don't want to impinge on that, but you know, show some moderation, I would probably encourage there. You know, everyone... Oh, look, could I just say, um, I'm recording this through my iPad and of course I'm getting notifications of uh, Twitter uh, messages sent to me by Twitter and Instagram and, and that sort of thing and it's it, isn't it so reassuring as a Parramatta supporter that uh, my earlier comments um, supporting the team the coach uh, my positive thoughts from being a supporter and I am getting that many messages of oh, I told you so sort of comments or um you know that that sort of that level of negativity that's coming my don't don't get me wrong i'm i'm half expecting it because it's it's like there's a uh almost an enjoyment from some sections of supporters oh, if, that, that, if there's a, if there's a loss when they absolutely. were predicting a loss or or bad form as if it's teaching me a lesson or what i'm not sure quite what it is but um, to any of those messages, look, I'm as I'm as upset as the next person about tonight's performance and tonight's game. But I'm a, as a supporter, I'm gonna I'll be turning up next week and encouraging and uh, and and cheering my team and providing content on the Cumberland throw uh, as a supporter. Mm -hmm. So I, just uh, that that's just. Uh, a little point I'd like to make as we go into this podcast tonight. And there, there, don't get us wrong, there is an empathetic response from us to all fans. We understand the frustration and the emotional kickback uh, that comes from a loss like this. And it, it's okay to be upset about that loss because the Eels certainly did themselves no favours on the field tonight. But it, it's just that some of the stuff is so over the top. 
And once again, you'd think we're uh, competing for the wooden spoon. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, look, and and people that are listening tonight have probably had a moment where they've uh, vented their spleen, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, uh, you, can, you can probably imagine that um, – the, the team and the club are uh, having plenty of people vent their spleen at them as well. I was, and for I was some cussing reason, out the TV tonight. For some it reason, happens. we're the target for it, mate, as well. Yeah, I mean, we, do <laughs> yeah. Have target, we do have targets on our back for that. Being uh, a regular content creator is, you know, you sort of open yourself up to that, and I'm fine with that. It's a, uh, almost a responsibility that comes with the territory. So, once again, I'm, I'm happy for people to come on to TCT and they want to break down the game and, and talk about where it went wrong. That's no dramas. And they, you, know, you can call someone out for having a bad game, but just be civilised about it. Anyway, let's get into this one. It's not going to be fun, but as we said, uh, the Sydney Roosters 28 over the Parramatta Eagles 0, so the big shutout there up in Mackay. Uh, scoring started in the second quarter with Josh Morris getting things on the way, followed by Satili Tupania, Sam Walker, Daniel Tupu, and unfortunately that embarrassing try to Joseph Manu oops, excuse me, in the 74th minute. Pardon me, didn't repeat on myself there. Adam Kieran was uh, four, three from four, I believe, with Sam Walker taking the final shot from uh, tri-conversions, and Kieran also uh, banging a penalty goal off the uh, left upright. And uh, Ray Ray Price would have been uh, very upset in the response from both teams there, uh, with no one really paying attention, and Dylan Brown eventually getting out of the end goals. And that's how it got to the 28 points. Uh, in terms of team stats, Eels slightly head on possession, 52 to 48%. Time possession, about uh, 2 minutes and uh, 13 seconds in their favour. Both teams completing at 74%. Uh, attacking categories split between the two teams, but notably the Roosters of seven line breaks, the Parramatta's one, although they also did have more tackle breaks, uh, believe it or not, which I suppose those early shifts helped uh, lead to that difference in numbers. Uh, beyond there, though, uh, not looking great for the Eels. They were more efficient at defusing kicks and more efficient at defending, uh, but the problem is that their lapses were costly. That back-to-back set of tries in the first half uh, really put them behind. Um, that's when Morris and uh, Tupania... Uh, scored in consecutive possessions. Uh, in terms of player stats, uh, big night for Joseph Manu for the Roosters. He actually uh, takes the meterage record from Quinton Gufferson with 373 metres on the ground. Uh, pipped Guffo's effort last year by four metres. Uh, and for the Eels, notable, performance, notable performances, sorry, uh, Gufferson himself, 230 metres. Uh, Ford Pack, there was a solid contributions across the park, 133 metres from Paulo, 129 from Papali'i, 132 from Brown, 142 from Lane, and then 112 and 117 from Will Smith coming off the bench. Unfortunately, though, uh, too little uh, by a, a significant margin across the park. A lot of errors, those defensive lapses, and uh, a lack of patience again. And, and it's interesting because we're going to get into it now. Uh, it, this was almost the, the inverse of the, the Raiders game, wasn't it? We, we spoke about this in our sort of quick pre-show notes. It if we, we oversimplify things against Canberra, this was a complete overreaction in response and we were almost desperately shifting the ball and while it created some opportunities in that first 20 minutes, it also meant that we weren't settled, uh, we, we couldn't change gears and, and sort of throttle down when we needed to and we, we sort of just played at that frantic pace. Uh, mate, I'm a little bit lost for words in what looked like the tactics in that first half where it was it was frantic and there was nothing even even with a little bit of inroads that we were making 
I was watching it, and I'm going to admit, I was uncomfortable with it because it didn't look like Parramatta football in any way, shape, or form. I thought it was playing away from our strengths. Uh, you used the term that we were... It, it was like we were overcompensating yes. for the type of football that um, it was like we were playing the type of trying to play the type of football that critics were saying that we should be playing instead of playing to our strengths. And clearly we were shifting the ball away from the middle. And I don't know whether they thought that because they uh, the Roosters had um, the injury issues around their centres that we should be moving the ball a little bit wider to try and attack them a little bit wider. But I just think in worrying so much, if that was the case, if we were worrying so much about uh, about them, I think we were taking it away from our own strengths. And mm-hmm. I look, I have to admit, I was looking at those early kicks that were going in where it was going on the third tackle. And clearly that was something gonna, that we did. Can, I, can, I can I quote Ren and Stimpy okay. here? <laughs> here we go, here we go. Um, yeah, yeah, Mr. Horse, no, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> it's clearly something we identified in our preparation for this game because it wasn't done just once. It was done twice, both halves uh, lacing the boot to ball uh, in on the third tackle both times, actually. Uh, so it was clearly something that we'd identified, but the execution wasn't there, and the Roosters obviously adapted to it, and we weren't able to even even get a repeat set out of it. So frustrating uh, handling of those initial possessions, especially when the Roosters really gifted us those opportunities. We put pressure on them, and they were folding. And speaking of the centres, uh, this is not through no fault of his own. I thought Wanga Blake had an electric start to this game. I thought this was his strongest start all year. He was really giving Josh Morris some issues down that side, and then, unfortunately, he gets knocked out. Well, not knocked out, but the high shot from, I think it was Takayaho that got him ruled out of the game. And that really uh, sort of robbed that left edge of a, a big matchup uh, exploitation that we sort of had going on there. And we, we just didn't adapt. The Roosters uh, counterpunch for those two tries. And then in the second half, we had that pivotal moment uh, where Opachik, I think, scores. I, I, I honestly think that the ball's on the ground. He gets down with pressure on it. That's all he's needed. And the referee sends it up, no try. The bunker agrees, and Sam Walker goes down the, the field off the uh, twelve. Uh, sorry, off the seven tackle set to create that twelve point turnaround. So uh, we didn't do ourselves any favors. Didn't get any help in other areas too, which is such a minor complaint in the in the big picture here. This is not a a game that the refs lost for us by any means. Um, I think no, but can I just say too that when when you're looking at that missed opportunity at a crucial time from. Tom Opachik, I think it fits in uh, quite nicely. In when I maybe nicely is not the appropriate word when I'm going to be speaking about something that's negative, but it fitted in with the missed opportunities that that happened the previous week, where there were there were plays to be able to score off. Um, he was just betwixt and between with where he was going to go to get to that ball. Is he going to try to take, take it on the on ball? The, on the, de- on gonna, the decline and take on the ball? Or, yeah. back it and, and wait for the wait for the bounce. Um, he didn't seem to have anyone right over the top of him, but we're not out there with him. You, the, the pressures that's going on out there, but uh, from a, a likely 12-6 scoreline, within right. 40 seconds, it's, now, it's then 18-0, and it's just... Uh, it's just awful from there, and um, 
again, it comes back to paying dearly for uh, the errors. You had that first in the first half with the error that set the whole thing off. I think it was Nathan Brown that dropped the ball on the attack, and then they went the length of the field in that set of yeah, six. Yeah, I think it was Dylan playing short to Nathan Brown. We just had probably one of our more constructive build-ups to the set, actually playing to the last tackle instead of kicking on the third. And, uh, yeah, Dylan plays short to Brownie, so Brown the Brown there, and uh, Nathan grasses it on fourth going to fifth tackle, I think. So another little pivotal moment within moment there. And yeah. Well, how many times? How many times did we uh, lose the ball in the opposition quarter? Oh, I mean, we're down for uh, five, seven, nine. So down for twelve errors, and I'd I'd be willing to bet that at least half of those comfortably were within the twenty. Yeah. So um, look, I, I it's very difficult to find any positives whatsoever to come out of that game. And we can be talking about so many moments where uh, the the team were just, um, well, I've used the word to a few people who've uh, messaged me or um, or at least uh, to a couple of people that have, that have rung me. It was just awful. Oh, it was just awful. Look, absolutely. And, and this is the thing. The Knives are going to be out for individual players. I've already seen uh, very very uh, harsh and, and, you know, almost over the top criticism of Jake Arthur, who we know is, you know, he's not, he's not killing it by any means. He's obviously struggling with the pace of first grade up against some of these really good teams now and, and Canberra on the resurgence. But, you know, the op- it's, it's hard to phrase this because to, to sort of, to deflect off Jake, makes it sound like we're making excuses. But the thing is, I think Jake is honestly their best option at the moment because Will Smith, and I, I love Will Smith because he brings so much energy off the bench, but you throw him into that starting half role and I wouldn't be surprised if you get one you know good game out in there. But historically, we've seen Will sometimes struggle with prolonged starting responsibilities in those spine, spine positions. And this has happened at one, uh, seven and nine or, or six slash seven, depending on where he's been deployed. So I think you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't there. And Jake definitely struggled at the start of this game. I think there was a couple of uh, errant moments. There was an offload from Oregon Kafusi in the first half that he could have uh, mitted instead that led to a turnover. But he, he stuck with it, and it certainly wasn't a great game, but he was sort of making do there. And obviously... Well, um, if, if I can just jump in there as well, because um, I look, I like to think I'm always balanced in, the, in my opinions about uh, some of the players... Um, I rated Jake's first 20 minutes as his worst in first grade this year. I thought that um, he was, it was almost like he was catching the um, uncertainty that seemed to surround the rest of the team in the game, in that first 20 minutes. Uh, I thought he settled down quite a bit after that. Um, he was targeted by uh, Tupanua. And he, game. he really fronted up there. He did, that was a much improved performance based on what we saw against Canberra the week before where he got found out a little bit. So that's a, a big thumbs up there. Well, he was, uh, he was credited with 21 tackles and no missed tackles. And I think under the, under the circumstances of where uh, they were running the traffic at him all game, I think the young bloke came up quite, uh, quite courageous. I thought his kicking game was solid. But um, it was probably a game where we needed a bit more out of Jake yep. in terms of that, that is uh, the, game ma- the game management um, because 
Uh, and, and look, don't get me wrong, when your forwards aren't doing what they need to do, if you're if you are playing behind a pack that hasn't done their job for whatever reason, you're it's not going to go well for a halfback. And I think it's fair to say that the Roosters forwards did a far better job than the Eels forwards tonight. Uh, the Eels forwards were were quite disappointing. Um, I, and, and look, I've got a I've got an overall summary that I. I I'm prepared to launch into in a moment in terms of how I saw the entire game play out. But, um, yeah, I thought that it was uh, a, a game where we went away from our strengths. We didn't play, our forwards didn't play as they should. They didn't win the middle. We were looking to shift wide far too early. Definitely. And I think it just all unraveled. So, uh, if just just if I take a minute just to give an overall um, opinion of, of the trend of the match, as I said, I think that um, I agree with you that um, we were overcompensating for the criticism the previous week by shifting the ball far too early. I thought that was a mistake. I didn't like the early kicks. Um, whether that was a question of the execution didn't come off or not, but I, I just didn't see them achieving anything for us when we were uh, looking at possession deep in the uh, deep in the Roosters quarter. I thought that there was a lot of um, indecision that was happening in that first half so that we weren't able to take advantage. We made too many errors in the Roosters' own, uh, in the root, deep in the root, in attack on the Roosters' line and that um, from there, under those sorts of conditions, the... Uh, the Roosters just got stronger and we got weaker as the match went on and I think that pretty much sums up how the how the match unfolded. Unfortunately, the Roosters had, for us, the Roosters had uh, gave us a lesson in resilience. Absolutely. Tonight. Yeah, the, the Roosters obviously come into this game very banged up with uh, a patchwork backline that's, I mean, still features some great talent as we saw with Joey Manu having a, a whale of a game. But they've been uh, through the wars this season and they certainly haven't folded and, and tonight for the Eels... They faced some adversity. Reagan Camp Guard was gone within the first eight or nine minutes, hamstring. Uh, then we saw the double. It was almost uh, reminiscent of our game against Melbourne uh, in the finals last year. That double blow to the back line with uh, both uh, Wanga and Ferguson getting knocked out for uh, HIA checks. Fergo passing his with that nasty gash on his noggin. Wanga failing his. And, you know, the problems obviously go way beyond that because we were struggling even with those guys on the field to, to get to our kick in the red zone. But yeah, we just, it was, it was a surprising lack of resilience in the face of adversity tonight, which is really disappointing. And I, I have to think that Brad is going to be hugely disappointed by it because that is something that he is really mandated in his team, hasn't he? To, to stand up and make, make yourself be counted, make yourself be known in these circumstances. And I know that Cooper, Cooper Cronkett was, was a uh, really uh, put Reed on blast at the end for that Joey Manu try for turning his back on a, a quick tap. So, well, I, I was, I was somewhat disappointed again. Uh, look, I think I think I'm. There's so many areas where I want to be critical because they each each area seemed to compound the other. Exactly when it came to when it came to where the, the game fell apart. As I said, I was I was being critical of of the forwards, um, but then I look at I look at what direction we got from the spine, and I thought, look, Gutho. Busted, busted his ass tonight. But then I thought he he made some crucial errors. Yes, and I thought 
and and also thought that his leadership could have been a little bit better during the match. I, um, I think that everyone's going to circle to that incident, which was caught on the sideline microphone pretty loudly uh, for the the escort, where Guffo vented quite uh, quite publicly, um, dropping some Fs and Cs, I believe, as uh, tensions really brought over there. And you can understand why he's frustrated, but at the same time, Guffo, you know, last week really struggled, and this week, while he had some fantastic kick returns and some really incredible on the ball work on those returns at the same time this was a game where we needed to really stand up out wide as a playmaker and we, we're not just not getting that finesse and I, it, it's hard to believe that Mitchell Moses makes that much of a difference to making his team run on time for those movements but geez the the last two weeks have been evidence of it I'm I'm a little bit more um, concerned about the form around I, I was disappointed in Read tonight with his direction out of dummy half. Fair. Um, from the from the perspective that and, and but look, he may well have been following um, the match plan in terms of that. You'd have to think that those shifts had to be the match plan for that to be happening from the start of the game. As I said, I, I if, if that was the match plan, I didn't like it. And um, you know, like people will people will say that we aren't uh, ones for being critical about um, tactical choices or 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 BA's aspects of BA's coaching. But I'll say if that was if that was the match plan, that the, sort of shift tonight, the coaches then played, I did. The coaches like played themselves. I think. Yeah, they sort of. Yeah. Uh, they they almost fell into a, a trap for themselves for the Roosters, uh, and the Roosters really just ate up that sort of uh, attacking look that we played to throughout the course of the night. And, you know, obviously very, very frustrating. And our, and that's the big thing where our lack of adaptability in that situation really comes down to a lack of Mitchell Moses. Because I think that among the spine players, I thought Dylan tried really hard. He was actually quite incisive for a number of um, strong carries. And, and something that I've been, even though we've struggled with our general playmaking, I think that Dylan's really tidied up his long kicking game in the last two weeks. Uh, he's actually getting a bit more airtime under the ball and making it contestable from mid-range, which is a really nice progression in that aspect of his game, but obviously nowhere near enough to compensate for the lack of Mitchell Moses. But yeah, I, I think that the spine really struggled uh, as a unit again, which is very frustrating. And in terms of, you don't want to you know kick players when they're down, but uh, you do wonder, are we going to see changes next week? Because uh, Mike Acevo... Less than impressive game, I think, from the big man there. I know that Guffo sort of put him on on, on the spot late in the game with a, a very, uh, I know we we're chasing points, but it was a low percentage pass. It still found Sivo on the chest, but it nearly saw Tupania score under the posts. But uh, yeah, Micah had a, a pretty rough game. Fergo, who I thought actually played okay for the most part, and I think that the defensive lapse down that right edge was more a function of Tom Opachik this week than Fergo. He also came with his game really banged up with that head knock in his ribs. So I don't know. Uh, do you think that we're going to ring in changes? Okay, so we know that Mitchell Moses is going to be back. And then we're, what we're talking about after that is are we going to see any changes based on uh, performance? I wouldn't be opposed to Hayes coming in for Micah. Now, it may well be that um, just like BA did with uh, Fergo, that some time out just to refocus and freshen up 
might be needed. And unlike the uh, back last year, when opportunities to use a player um, in someone's place, because we went through that whole season where no one was getting any reserve grade matches, um, Hayes has been playing. So he could come in for Mike Acevo, whether it be for the the rest of the season, unless Micah can force him out, or whether BA just plans to uh, give Micah a wake-up call and freshen him up, and Hayes comes in to uh, to do that for a few weeks. Or, as I said, he might even hold the, hold the spot. But I'd be prepared to make that change there. I'm with you there. And now we've got Wonga Blake entering concussion protocol. So you've got to wait and see how he progresses there. Tom Opchik has a pretty poor game by his standards. Do you turn to the rookie? Would you consider Will Penasini coming back into this lineup? It's look, that's an interesting call because um, I look, I think Will would do a good job if he was if he was called up. I think I think it comes down to those concussion protocols because it's it's a tough ask against the Roosters out wide defensively next week and uh yeah look i'm i'm really uh, i'm really not sure about um whether i would necessarily want to bring in a rookie against the roosters out wide it'd be a massive call Um, yeah it, it would be it would be putting incredible faith in a young player coming through so um, but yeah, look, I don't disagree. I, I was disappointed in Tom Opechik's performance tonight. Um, I think that um, in the forwards, we're look, likely to be without Reg. Uh, the looks a, ham- a hamstring injury for a big man, you're looking at at least a few weeks, almost certainly. If you're lucky, it's a few weeks. Um, the fact that he instantly signaled to come off is always a concern. Um, and those big hammies, those big boppers take some serious healing. So let's put a line through Reg. And obviously, we're counting on Mitch being back in the seven. So Reg is out. Murata's not available for, I presume, at least one to two weeks. That was what the report said on Tuesday. So now you've got a big call. Do you start Sean Lane? Do you start Oregon Kafusi? Uh, Wiramu Greg's not available. So you haven't got the extra depth on the bench anymore at front row. It's no longer big man season. No, it is. It's, yeah, we're, for we're, the going, we're going uh, small ball at this rate. Um, you do have the uh, the Mac attack available. Makahesi Makatoa to come onto the bench. So would you start Sean Lane or Augie in this situation? Um, I'm probably thinking that uh, I might even be tempted to uh, start Papa. In the front row? Yeah. yeah. And then bring yeah. in Bryce Cartwright? Yeah. So start Cartwright on the left edge in lieu of uh, Papa Lee, who is now playing prop forward, which keeps your bench intact because Bryce didn't play tonight, which means you go Lane, Kafusi, Smith, and Stone, who came on and played uh, uh, 22 minutes in a, a largely defensive role and we're on our own goal line. But yeah, so whew, that's tough. That's tough, mate. This is a, you know, the we, we spoke about getting that potential four-point buffer on the Roosters, which you know would have been huge, and instead now we're uh, still in fourth place currently, but uh, on four and against, but now with uh, a manly win, there's a, a chance that, you know, you get the double leapfrog in the coming weeks. Uh, sorry, Manly win this week, I mean. Sorry, not Manly win next week. You know, we're still right in that contest regardless of results this week. Yeah, so, whew, it's tough. And, uh, again, I know fans are going to be frustrated and they're going to want to vent online. But, 
at some point you got to think about constructive criticism, not just for the team but for yourself because if you get stuck in that negative cycle, then uh, not only do you not enjoy the football but it becomes consuming. Yeah, the last thing that the Eels can afford to do, and uh, and we're, we're here um, and finding very little positive that we can say out of it, but it's number one, it's not going to be helpful in any way for the fans to be reacting negatively and to be sending any sort of messages that are um, publicly negative towards the team. Now, I, I really think they need to think about that, that those people that are um, looking to um, vent their spleen at the team and we know that people aren't backward in sending uh, messages or, or responding to players who interact with supporters or, or put up posts on their their Instagram, for example, and it allows them allows supporters to have a little bit of a look at what's happening behind the scenes while they're away up in Queensland. So they're being very good to share that sort of thing. Uh, as I said, unfortunately, there's probably going to be people who will send messages to them about what they think about how they played. And you can imagine how that feels as a player, that your own supporters start sending those sorts of messages to them. And if and there might be some people there at the moment and saying, "Well, I pay my dollars and I'm entitled to say what I think." Yeah, of course you are, and you've got you've got your social media and you can you can make your comments. But um, if you're talking about being direct at the players and being quite offensive, and when at, at the moment when they're away from home and they've had a, a shocking game, which they have there, as a supporter, we want them to turn that performance around. And they're going to get a hammering from the coaches. They're going to get a hammering in the in the video room. They'll get a hammering out on the training paddock. You can rest assured on that. So I think our, our job really as supporters for any messages that we send through directly to them is to be encouraging and to let them know that, the, that we support them, that we've got some faith in them being able to turn it around. Whether they do or not, we don't know, but I don't think it's going to be achieved by telling people that they're useless or, or, or a lot stronger terms uh, than. I think, the, I think useless the, would be on the kinder scale <laughs> in, yeah. in terms of some of the vitriol they'll be getting. Yeah, and once again, it's okay for fans to be frustrated for loss because God knows me and you sitting through that. We had our um, our serious issues with that game because we sucked. We played one of our worst games of the season, and getting shut out is never good. Um, and even without your, you know, your premier playmaker, it's not an excuse to have that sort of offensive ineptitude. And that, like, yeah. you, like you said, that extends from the game plan, which we feel like was somewhat ill-advised, and that, and and then doubly so to the execution of the players, where they let themselves so let themselves down so badly throughout the entire entirety of the game. So they're going to know they're going to be hurt, and they're going to know that they let themselves down. They're going to know they let the fans down. And like you said, certainly you can be critical, and certainly you can, you know vent online but be reasonable and you know these guys and this goes from the top to bottom of the club this they know that a lot hangs on this season they know that they need to go through and make something of this finals push and if they let themselves down they know that there's going to be consequences for themselves in terms of future contracts like they these people know about that they don't need to be told you know let's sack and let's uh, sign someone else and let's replace you know this coach or this assistant coach everyone knows that this is a a, a cutthroat industry and that they need to get results it's just it, the, the some of the way it's vocalised really upsets me 
from a fan base that I would, I would like to hold higher expectations of because I know that we're all desperate for success. But at the same time, you know, you'd think we'd be more appreciative of what we have right now because of that. Yeah. And it feels like yeah, people aren't. Absolutely. And, and I think anyone that's listened to what we've had to say tonight would know that we haven't held back in our criticisms that um, we've, what we've tried to do is to pick apart the, how our game didn't measure up or, or um, how certain players might have failed to execute in their jobs. And, but in, in terms of um, what can happen from here, we're, we're expecting better. We have to expect better. Um, and as I said, it's not going to be, it's not going to be achieved if people start going on a personal attack. Criticise the performance, but don't criticise the person. Yeah. That's that's probably the easiest way. Exactly. Um, so, um, and yeah, you can be. I think you can be critical of the uh, of the person's performance, and say that it's you know they didn't they didn't do this right or that right or whatever. Everyone, every fan's got an entitlement to do that. But um, these are, by the same token, players who are performing much better at the start of the year. So uh, my, uh, I suppose my closing view on this game is that I think there's a mindset issue with the team right now because I thought right from the start when they were shifting the ball that there was you're an let, uncertainty about what they were doing. You're too much, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and I don't think that that ever changed through throughout the game. There wasn't that... There wasn't that uh, any level of positivity about the way we approached our game. You know, it almost looked like the body language was uh, of a team that was under stress for the entire performance. Is that a, is that a stretch to say that? I saw our performance described as stilted, which I think would be a function of being at high stress levels. And, yeah, yep. I, I tend to agree. It's like we we really chewed ourselves up in the – uh, run into this game knowing that we needed to get a win. Obviously, you need to get a win, like that, that goes without saying. But um, and then we sort of just ate away to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So we we looked like we were playing with the weight of the world on our shoulders. That we were trying to play a, a type of football that doesn't that didn't suit our team. That it was done in reaction to um, how we were being told that we should be playing rather than playing the sort of football that suits our team. And it just sort of all unraveled from there. Um, so whether whether that's uh, going to be addressed with um, the return of Mitch Moses this week, okay. obviously we're going to be offering, maybe offering a little bit more in attack, but... Mitch, um, Mitch's return is not, it's not a panacea, it's not a cure-all. There, no, there, no, there are guys no. across the park there, you know, Junior Polo had a very poor game by his standards. Uh, he needs a lift, you know. And we already spoke about the forward pack in general getting out muscled this week and and letting Canberra really slug it to him last week. And then we spoke about the guys in the in the back line who we think might get dropped or, or shuffled around. So, you know, there there are guys one to seventeen. You know, we we had twelve or thirteen errors that game. You know, one to seventeen that need a lift. This is not a one play thing. This is not a Mitchell Moses thing. It's not a Jack Arthur thing. You know, this is not just a coaching thing. This, you know, across the entirety of the the football club. Guys need to lift, and they know that. Like, and if we go on a massive slide from here, they're going to get the, the deserved criticism that will come their way. But I'd be backing them to turn it around. 
I mean, I feel like we've got enough evidence across, you know, the last eight years now, barring the aberration that was 2018, where a lot of things fell apart for some reasons that have, you know, been made uh, clear more recently, I suppose, with uh, uh, the behaviour of former, some, some former players. But uh, I don't know. It just feels like the knives are so quick to come out. And, and that, it's disappointing. Like, I'm not even angry. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's cliche. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. But, you know, pe- people are so quick to turn. And like I said, you have every right to be disappointed. And you have every right to be upset because we let ourselves down as a club tonight. And, you know, on the back of losing to the Raiders, obviously it hurts to drop back-to-back games. But, geez, just some of the stuff, it it, it makes me want to not make content, which is really upsetting for me because making stuff for TCT is so fun. Like, even when we have loss, losses and, and things are bad, being able to have a chat with you and be able to, to do the things that we do is so cool. And just the stuff tonight, I don't know. Yeah, look... Um We've got some good stuff that we've got planned for the next few weeks in terms of our of our content. So, um, yeah, look, stick with us, people. It's the, the losses aren't losses aren't much fun, but we're trying to produce uh, the content that hopefully you'll find interesting. And um, uh, yeah, we we've got we've got the confidence that the team can uh, improve their performances whether they can improve it to the standard that they need to, well, time will tell. So, um, but it's, as as Forty just said, it's going to take more than just one person um, coming into the team or more than one person lifting how they're performing at the moment to uh, be able to deal with some of the teams that are coming up. But that's what football's about. Exactly. You, they're, they're, you take the highs, you take the lows, and, you know, the the whole, you know, this is a loss you have to have or you get out of the way now and it's better for it. Certainly, I'd rather be bottoming them out now than, you know, in, in a month's time or in, in six weeks' time. There is definitely time to fix this team. There is definitely time to, to right the ship because it, it feels like it, it won't take much, if anything, at all. Like the Well, the, let's let's just get back to, first of all, the the forwards doing what they do best exactly the spine the spine working together and the backs playing off that now exactly. if and you to me it's it's not a it's not a, a a difficult fix but if you've got players that all are don't seem to be on the same page and and seem to have um that uh uncertainty about the way they play that we saw tonight well it's not going to be fixed we just they just have to find a way to get a positive mindset going into their next match. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll be taking on the Manly Sea Eagles, and that should be back at Seabus, right? No, it's a Rabbitohs. Oh, Rabbitohs. What am I saying? I'm saying Manly. I knew it was a Rabbitohs. So, yeah, it's Rabbitohs, then uh, Manly. That, I, I don't That's know. It. I'm inside my own head now. Um, yeah, and this, this in a way, the Rabbitohs might be the, the best possible matchup for the Eels because they know that this is a bogey team. This They, they know this is a team that they need to be you know, up for. So, you know, time to get a couple of monkeys off the back, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on that note, a very somber note on the back of that um, shutout performance and and our own review of it, we'll probably sign off there, mate. Um, as always, it is cathartic to speak about a loss like this uh, in the immediate uh, wake of it all. And I hope that our fans did enjoy the analysis we had tonight because God knows it was tough to get through. But, 
you know, very disappointing result. And we, you know, we know that the club will be disappointed in it himself. And he's got to pick yourselves up and move on. That's it. That's it, mate. That's it. And we'll look, mate. We'll be we'll be backing up again next week and the week after and the week after that. That's it, mate. We'll always be reporting in, so you can always count on a tip sheet and plenty of content on the Cumberland Fro. As always, we we win this really sincerely on the back of losses like this. If you guys are here and listening, it means a lot to us. Thank you for stopping by. Um, don't be afraid to have a comment on the game and uh, let us know where you know you you're frustrated where we you know we let ourselves down. Go about it. Um, just you know, just a reminder: don't be an asshole about it. Don't be rude. Don't attack players. Don't attack each other in the comments. That's what what really set me off on Tuesday on Teamless Tuesday is that you know when you're starting to dig into each other, there there is no fun in being a supporter. So be the better person for yourself and for your fellow uh, Parramatta fan, Parramatta supporter, and uh, make the most of a very ordinary week. I hope your weekend goes a lot better uh, from here. But it does always suck to start the uh, weekend run with a loss. But we'll catch you guys next week, and uh, stay safe as always. Thanks, everyone.